Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God which we will consider today is recorded in Psalm 100. We begin at verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, my wife and I spent a few days up in Canada this past summer during our vacation. All along the way where we went, I was constantly reminded that Canada is so very much like the United States. However, Canada also has its own distinct culture and customs. For example, the Canadians observe a holiday they call Boxing Day. And I don't know much about it, but I assume that day is best spent indoors, at home, surrounded by people who love you. <laughs> the Canadians also celebrate Thanksgiving Day uh, during the month of October, not at the end of November as we're used to having it. And that insignificant difference in the date is a good reminder for us that Thanksgiving to God is something that we should do all the time because he blesses us every day, not something we think about just one day out of the year. The verses of Psalm 100 are a clear reminder of that truth, for here the psalmist lists some reasons for us to appreciate God's loving attention over us every day. He says, know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. That particular verse is one which uh, we pastors often like to read in a maternity ward after a baby has been born. Then we give thanks to God because he made this person, he makes us. Good for us to keep that in mind now that it is by the marvels and the mysteries of God's creative power and providence that human life comes into being in the womb of the mother. To end the life that is there is to defy God's own handiwork. It's a sin against God and against that unborn human being who is there in the process of developing as the day of its birth approaches. And of course, God's interest and his concern for us goes on long after the baby comes home from the hospital. God's providential love is something that we experience every single day throughout our lives, for God takes care of what he makes. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
Just as a shepherd protects and provides for the sheep of his flock, so the Almighty God of heaven and earth knows each one of us, knows our own needs, our own fears. He satisfies what we need. His care for us includes also keeping us safe from dangers to our bodies and our souls. Each day as we live our lives, we can be assured that what happens, happens according to God's will for us, and that he promises to make something good come out of the sicknesses and sorrows and disappointments which we experience on our journey homeward to heaven. And that word heaven leads us to see again the greatest thing that God does for us, for which we should give thanks. The psalmist speaks of it in these words, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. By this we are reminded that you and I have access to God's presence throughout our lives and most importantly that we have that access to God on the day when our lives will come to an end here on earth. That is a remarkable, wonderful thing for us to ponder, especially when we consider how God's law would naturally restrict us from being with him, since the law demands of us holiness and moral perfection. Elsewhere, the psalmist asked, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? That is, who has the sinlessness and the righteousness of their life to come near to the holy God who is the true judge over all, who knows all things? Here's the answer. The psalmist said, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. That's a frighteningly restrictive answer, isn't it, to this question, who is able to enter God's presence, both in this world and in the next. The logical answer to the question would have to be simply no one. The criteria for entering and dwelling peacefully in the presence of the almighty, holy God is overwhelming and discouraging. We might keep our hands clean with frequent washing through the day, but these words speak of our actions, the things that we do with our hands. And more, these words speak of the condition of our hearts, our attitude toward God and the resulting behavior which springs from our fallen nature. So Jesus said, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And so, rightly, elsewhere, this psalm writer asked, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And again, the clear answer is none of us could. None of us could comfortably stand near God and his holiness. And so what would we do? How could we be in any sort of position to give thanks to God every day as our text enjoins us to when, in fact, his holiness and the awareness of our own sin scares us to death? Trying to answer that question on our own would lead us either to total and complete despair 
before him, or it would lead us to try to make our own rules about what ought to please him, and in that way, deceive ourselves. Along the way, we realize how often and in how many ways we do sin against God and what we think about and what we do with our hands. And it is a cold and lonely feeling to know that we would thereby disqualify ourselves from getting to live with him in this life and in the next life. And so when we hear the psalm writer in our text encourages, encourage us, make a joyful shout to the Lord, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing, we might wonder what he could be thinking about. For how could we ever hope to do that? And here's the answer, the only answer that really comforts us. For the Lord is good, the psalmist says, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. We know how that goodness and mercy has been shown to us and not only to us but to the whole world. It is this, that God, for the sake of Jesus, who died for our sins, who rose again from the dead, forgives us and declares us to be not guilty before him. This loving and saving verdict from God is declared to us in his truth, that is, in his word. It's accepted only by faith, and it's offered to us again and again by God's mercy not because we have earned such kindness. We might answer, well, I'm glad God has mercy for me and that he forgives me and promises me heaven, but I'm afraid that surely by now I must have burned through all the mercy he'll ever show to me. I'm afraid his promise no longer applies to me. But remember, his mercy is something that is called everlasting. As the prophet Jeremiah put it, his mercies are new every morning. Every morning and every evening of every day, you and I have cause to give thanks to God because he loves us with an everlasting love in Jesus Christ, who himself is that good shepherd who gave his life for the flock, dying for us, rising again from the dead, so that through faith in him, we have peace with him, and one day we will come before his presence with singing for his sake. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen.